Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Sean Patrick O'Brien. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Genomind. The website is G-E-N-O-M-I-N-D.com. And we're going to talk about uh, the work that he does there. So, Sean, thanks for coming. Thanks, Richard. Glad to be here. Yeah, tell me about uh, Genomind. What's the premise of the company? Uh, the premise of the company is really built uh, around our founder, Dr. Ron Desorts, who was a serial mental health pioneer for over 50 years. Unfortunately, uh, we lost uh, Dr. Desorts to COVID uh, on May 8th. Um, but his focus throughout his career as a psychiatrist, building mental health centers, uh, building a mental health uh, insurance company, Behavioral Health, as it's known today, and, and then starting Genomine 11 years ago was to improve patient outcomes and uh, decrease the cost of the system. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, the CDC recognizes that depression alone by the end of this decade will be the single largest healthcare cost. And uh, so mental health, maybe because of COVID, is getting more exposure um, than it has in the past, but the oh, unmet yeah. medical need is huge. And so, you know, the premise of our company here is really to become the mental health company. Uh, no one company is really focused on the whole spectrum of mental health and bringing what we would call actionable solutions to the table. So that's what we're about, uh, slowly becoming the mental health company and building on the foundation of our founder, Dr. Ron Desorts, improving patient outcomes and decreasing healthcare costs at the same time. Yeah, um, um... I'm sorry to hear that the the founder passed coronavirus. You know, I have a family member that passed from uh, you know in terms of depression. I have family members that are dealing with that. So, you know, I know somewhat intimately what uh, you know it's involved with depression. And it is. It's very it's very debilitating for not just for the person that has everyone they associate with. You know, if they're not in a good way, they're uh, not very nice to the people around them, and you know it wreaks havoc. So it's a it's a big big problem and. I don't know of any way to sure no one does yet either. I'm glad you guys are working on this. We're excited to be working on it, and it's um, it's a journey. Uh, there's no magic bullets here, but um, the science is improving, and it's allowing us to become more precise on how we can improve patient outcomes. So what specifically is uh, Genomine doing? You know, How are you going to we'll feel better? Sure. Well, um, today, there's a couple problems in the mental health arena. Um Today, you know, it's often quoted that 20% of the population has mental health disorders that need help. And in your lifetime, 50% of us will need some mental health. And I think um, after this conversation, you and your listeners may think that, you know, all of us have mental health issues, and it's whether we can cope with them or not and, and uh, you know, be productive in society. So it's a continuum and affects us all in different ways. And so, you know, that's what we're here to, you know, ensure that, uh, one, we help over time reduce the stigma associated with mental health. People see the brain uh, just like a kidney, 
and uh, if there's an infection, we treat it properly. And what's been missing in the past is precision. So if you look at something like uh, depression or anxiety, which are the two most commonly treated mental health disorders, the uh, two-thirds of the time a clinician will be prescribing a medication based on the family history, what's going on in their encounter, and uh, and hope that that drug will work or that therapy will work. It's not just drug, it's a combination of psychotherapy and psychopharmacology. And But two-thirds of the time, it, it is what we call a trial and error approach, uh, and it doesn't work for the patient. And what we do as a company is take that trial and error out of the equation. I think most people in the science world have realized that oncology has become very precise. There's certain specific tumors, certain specific uh, therapies designed to treat those tumors, and that's what we call precision medicine. We bring to the table um, a technology called pharmacogenetics and mental health care, and the science in, in mental health is pretty strong behind this area, and it's emerging. And what we do is eliminate this trial and error based on the genetic profile of the patient on how they metabolize the drugs and how they distribute the drugs in their body. And um, by having a, a genetic test where we test 24 different genes uh, and determine through almost 70 different variants of the particular profile of the patient and what drugs will be suitable for this patient, what drugs will not be from side effects, and which ones will be ineffective. Um, and so that's what we communicate. It's a prescription product that the either nurse practitioner, the OBGYN, uh, primary care doc, or the psychiatrist would prescribe. And then once they got the information, this would give them the guidance along with all the other tools they lo- uh, use in, in treating the patient to ensure that they get the right precision therapy. Um, so that's what it is, pharmacogenetics. It looks at the pharmacodynamics and the metabolism of, of the medication to ensure that the physician is or the nurse practitioner is able to prescribe a medication that's going to work and eliminate this journey that patients sometimes go through for years, not just months, but some patients, their journey's been 20 years and uh, had a PGX test, um, Genomine professional PGX test, and, and it you know, saved their life or changed their life, and they can't believe how uh, much difference it is to get a medication that works for depression or anxiety or bipolar, ADHD, et cetera. So that's what so these, we're here these, for. Um... Yeah, these genes that you look at, is the um, are these like single SNPs that um, correlate with depression being there at all? Are these people like phenotypically normal? Like, what what are some of these? If you can say, what are some of these genes? Sure. And would someone ever know that they have this, you know, abnormality, if you can call it that, for this difference? Sure. So let's let's be clear. What we have today is not a diagnostic tool to say, um, Richard, you have a depression gene, Sean, you have a bipolar gene. Uh, we don't have, that's emerging slowly. We don't have genetic markers today that are showing predisposition of a certain type of uh, mental health condition. What we are doing is helping for once the physician or nurse practitioner has made the diagnosis for the patient that they have depression or major depressive disorder or refractory depression, or they have bipolar disorder, that, you know, then they they go to what their normal medications are. The United, United States FDA has 130 
plus medications approved for mental disorders, including pain. And they all have something on their label about different genes can affect how the drug could be used safely or not. But what they don't tell the practitioner is how to respond to that genetic profile. So when we look at these 24 uh, genes or SNPs, uh, you know, there's 70 different alleles that we look at, they are all about genes that affect the metabolism and the distribution of the drug and absorption of the drug within the body relative to that person's genetic profile. So there's not abnormal or normal, there's just different um, incidents of certain genes. Some genes are rare um, and could, you know, if the patient had it, they could get a, a product uh, prescribed to them and end up with Johnson syndrome, which could lead to death after a severe rash. So those are important aspects. Uh, it's, it's not only uh, a tool that gives precision to the use of uh, the various 130 drugs, but also as a risk mitigation tool to ensure that we are prescribing safely in the marketplace for anybody with medicine. Does that help you understand it, Richard? It is not a diagnostic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so right, if I have a certain uh, gene pattern, then if I take you know, drug X, um, that's a contraindication to me taking it. Maybe it'll give me, like you said, a you know, horrible rash or won't be effective or cause me to be suicidal or whatever it is. Are you saying that's what information, useful information you're getting by doing this genotyping? Correct. And um, I can give you an example. You know, there's various class of antidepressants, SNRIs, SRI. And sometimes if a physician tries an SSRI type, and it doesn't work, they'll switch to another one or switch to another class, SNRI. And the most appropriate drug could be a different drug in that class for that genetic profile. So it's not always intuitive or you know, authentical uh, in the genetic profile. It's unique to the patient, and this is giving precision to treat the patient with the appropriate medications based on their genetic profile. This is good because, right, if you have depression, anxiety, and you're a doctor, say, all right, well, you want to try a medication, you should also have this done too because that would, it sounds like it could dramatically shorten the time that you're fishing around looking for the right medication. It may save your life, again, get you treated much faster and more effectively. It seems like a huge breakthrough. Correct. And, you know, it, it is. Uh, we, we consistently get positive stories every day for how our, our our program changes their lives. So we have a, you know, we do the testing, we swab, we have a lab here, it's accredited at all levels. We're 99.9% accurate. Um, we have a turnaround time, i.e. if it comes in here and everything's documented properly, we can get it back to the physician within 36 hours and they can communicate to the patient. And as a result of COVID, we shifted our distribution model so now the patients, you know, the physicians, because a lot of them are still not working out of their offices, they can order our test, have it shipped to the patient. Patient can swab their cheek and send it back to our lab, and the physician can then, uh, you know, prescribe a medication that's going to be appropriate for that patient's profile without, in this COVID era, uh, having to see the patient uh, directly. Are you going to, um, you know, there's a whole new class of, I'm not going to call them drugs, but intervention through Johns Hopkins. They've, they've approved ketamine. They're looking at psilocybin. They're looking at ecstasy, et cetera. Um, when those things are more in use, I mean, ketamine seems to be pretty well in use now. Um, are you going to try to uh, find correlations there too? You know, what genes 
will make that more likely to work and you know those kind of compounds correct so ketamine um, uh, as you know it's been around for a while for different uses and, and found that it, it works in what we call refractory type of depression J&J um, launched a, a, a derivative of that called S-ketamine last a year ago roughly April uh, last year uh, we launched our new genetic test you know, we went from 18 genes to 24 uh, last May. And in our new test, we actually had um, esketamine included in the genetic profiles. And the benefit of that is twofold. Um, esketamine is um, an expensive therapy. Uh, so you want to know uh, first, has has the patient actually been put on the right drug in the first place to show that they were not uh, treatment resistant in the first place. So if, if the patient's gone through a journey and tried several medications and never had a genetic profile makeup, they could be not taking the right drug deemed uh, refractory to any therapy for depression. Doing the genetic test before you, you jump to an, a more expensive therapy that's over 30,000 in a year uh, with our tests could ensure that you've actually tried the right drug in that particular genetic profile for that patient. Secondly, um, the benefit of our tests in that group is to, you know, certain patients will not respond well because of the genetic profile to esketamine. Um, and it would be good to know before, uh, assuming they are a treatment resistant uh, depressant patient, that uh, this would be appropriate therapy for their genetic profile. So we yeah, have actually incorporated incorporated that into our process to help prescribers and the payers to understand uh, where they can get the maximum benefit out of, out of these new emerging ther therapies. Mm. Are you are, are you also going to look at uh, the microbiome of the people with these genetic, uh, I don't know what you call them, the genetic profiles? Because that may go to a higher level of being steer someone to the right compound. You know, they might have, it may be that because they have this genetic, I'm just going to call it an abnormality or profile, that their microbiome, therefore, is different. And the microbes will eat up these certain drugs that they would take, making them ineffective or making them dangerous. So it just may be another layer that you guys can add in even more effective. So um, the answer is yes. We have a product uh, today called Mindful, and um, and it was more of a, a test to look at wellness. And we merged down that way, and we've evolved. And I think you looked on our website and noticed we're launching a new product called the mental health map. And we expect to launch that June 22nd. That looks at seven core genetic mental health capabilities, uh, eating behavior, sleep, mood, habits, substance, habits and substance use, stress and anxiety, social behavior. And the seventh one is focus and memory. Obviously with eating behavior, we're, we're looking at the genes that affect that um, and your predispositions um, and, and various mechanisms and genes that uh, can, you know, either turn you into a late night snacker or skipping, your, or you're, you know, we're getting a lot of with COVID emotional eating right now, um, and uh, so there's a lot of different things going on, and the microbiome is part of that. It, it's it's becoming its own science, um, and we looked at it uh, extensively, but um, it didn't quite focus as much on mental health as we wanted to do, we want to stay singly focused on mental health. And so this is our um, solution to part of that uh, problem. Uh, and as the microbiome science improves and we understand it more, we'll 
probably get more and more involved. What's um so now that you're looking at these 24 genes, how many more do you think need to be looked at to get and again to improve the results even further? And what percentage of patients um their I'll just call it again genotype um leaves your head scr- you know leaves you scratching your head like there appears to be no known drug on the market that that will help them. Okay, so there's two questions there. Um, one is, a, as a company, we've constantly innovated um, from in the inception of this concept of bringing pharmacogenetics to the table for mental health medications. And it affects other medications, uh, oncology drugs, uh, anti-infectives, uh, cardiovascular drugs. So one of the things that we provide with our, for our customers is what we call a metatype uh, card. And uh, the PGX metatype card, you know, could be helpful for uh, physicians to know, let's say if you're getting some anesthesia and you're a slow metabolizer for 2D6 drugs and this, you know, having that knowledge for the anesthetist, if they're going to sedate you is very important on what they would select. So today, you know, there's various genes that cover a high volume of medications and predispositions, but we, we do at ethnicity uh, studies as well. And the number one driver for us to select the genes that we bring to the table, so we went from 10 to 12 to 18 genes to now to 24 genes for mental health, is based on the level of evidence through the various studies uh, and associations, whether it's coming from the FDA itself, from CPIC, these um, gene um, observational studies uh, out of France or out of North Netherlands, etc. So this emerging data, we take a level of evidence that's, you know, basically level three or higher and and, and based on selection of genes and where we see medications emerging. Um, so today, I have not seen it where we couldn't find the appropriate medication or therapy. Sometimes our uh, tests will tell them that TMS uh, is more appropriate than some of the drug therapies. Um, and so... You know, it's a combination of psychopharmacology in use with a psychotherapy such as CBT um, for patients. So the number of genes for us will be always be driven by the level of evidence that takes us in the right direction to have the high degree of confidence that we optimize the test based on the various drugs available today and and the uh, and the science behind that. So that's how we're driven. Um, our test for uh, mental health map looks at way more genes than than we do for um, for the pharmacogenetic test uh, because of all the complexity of looking at all those uh, seven different uh, traits that we're looking at. So that that's that's the difference there. So uh, and it's it's not technology uh, limited. You know our arrays and our the testing allow us to look at. It's not just number of genes, but it's also the number of various alleles associated with that gene. So some genes have one or two alleles. Some may have five or six alleles associated with that particular gene. Is that helpful, Richard? Yeah, yeah. What? All right, we're almost at the end here. What's your dream? You want to wake Which up? Are, you know, like what, what would you love to accomplish? Like what is the full version of all your work look like? And what are you able to do because of it? Sure. Great question. Um I've, I've been in the mental health area three times in my career. I started with Upjohn back in the early 80s. I was the global leader for a product called Seroquel, which became the number one antipsychotic in, in the world in its day, a $5.8 billion product. 
And I ended up coming to Genomai because you talked about your family members. My son suffers from depression. Um, he attempted suicide, ended up in a lockdown facility in Brooklyn. I asked the attending psychiatrist once he had my son stable, what, you know, how are we going to get Tim on the right medication? And that's when he opened the drawer and pulled out the Genomite in the summer of 2018. I reached out to the company. I knew the CFO, and uh, they were looking for a CEO at the time. And, uh, you know, he told me about the opportunity. We knew each other. He said, Sean, come and help us. So five weeks later, I was running the company. Um, and so my mission here is not only for my son, but my mission here is for all those suffering from mental health and those that will suffer from mental health because there's not enough resources. We don't have enough psychiatrists. Uh, <clears throat> COVID is highlighting the, you know, that the need is es escalating based on this uh, pandemic, creating new fears and anxieties and depression in the marketplace. And as a company, we want to become the mental health company. And in that every line of service that we bring or product that we bring will do two things, improve the patient outcome and at the same time decrease the cost of the system because that's what needs to be done to to improve the quality of life in the country here. So, so I'll be happy in 10 years' time that we're known as the mental health company and people call us, not CNN, to understand any new therapy or any new approach in mental health care delivery. Well, that's great, Sean. I'm sorry you had that, you know, that, that your son is, uh, you know, in that way, but you know, it's really cool what you're doing, and it's a huge help. And I'm glad you're doing it. I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he benefited from the he benefited from the test. It made a difference in his life. He's doing well. Um, I'm proud to say he's, uh, you know, not self-medicating with alcohol and uh, and and doing well in life. And I'm very proud of him. And uh, and I'm proud of what we've done so far at Genomine, and really proud of the promising future. How we can help a lot of people in this. Well, very good. Sean, thanks for coming, and people can go to genomind.com, G-E-N-O-M-I-N-D.com, and it sounds like um, if they want this test, would they just, what, ask their primary care physician to get it for them? Yeah, whoever's treating them for their depression or anxiety or bipolar or ADHD, it's available. They, they can get information on our website. Um, the patient does get a portal, um, but all the information goes to the prescriber, and so Nurse practitioners use it, um, OBGYNs use it. Anybody who's delivering their primary mental health care and, and obviously psychiatrists use it. Well, very good. Sean, thanks for coming, and I appreciate all that you do. Thanks, Richard. Have a great day. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.